All right, Rabosai, good morning. Let us begin. I want to begin by thanking our sponsors, by thanking our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Shvat. To thank the, the Elbaum family for dedicating all of the learning, all of the Shurman Drushos this month in memory of Jerry Elbaum, Zichon Lerocha, Yaakov Kapol, Ben Avram Menachem, loving father of Avron, Sean, Judah Elbaum, loving husband of Shirley Elbaum. May his memory be a blessing and remain eternal in our hearts. Truly beautiful. We also thank our additional Talmud Torah sponsor for the month of Shvat, Mrs. Bracha Strimber, in loving memory of Avi Strimber, Avram Ben Kalman Eliezer Halevi, Zichron Levracha, on his, on his ninth yard site. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshamos will have an Aliyah and the family Zain. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors, Greg and Rachel Levitan, for Rafur Shlema for Binyamin Ben Etel and Yitzchak Meyer Ben Razel. We thank David and Roberta Schwartz for dedicating the Dafyomi Shir this morning in memory of David's father, Ephraim Shimon Ben Avram. With many kind thanks to Zevi Daniel, David Flum, Ed Miller, and our unique Dafyomi family and Klal Yisrael for all the warm love and support this past week. We thank David and Roberta for the beautiful dedication. Hope that the Neshama has an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. And with that, let us begin. We have an incredible daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Nundalid 54. We are picking up Emirat Sashem on Nun Gimel Amud Beis 53b at the Mishnah. So we have, we, have a, we have a lot to do in not a lot of time. So the Mishnah says as follows. So remember again, continuing on the on with the discussion regarding minhagim, so if in a place where they have a custom to light a candle in in the home, or we'll see really it's referring to over here in the home on the night of Yom Kippur, we go ahead and we light the candle. Makom in madligin. So we'll say, which is another way of saying essentially, where the minagamakom is to keep the home dark on Yom Kippur, we keep the home dark. Where the minagamakom is to go ahead and light a candle, we go ahead and we light a candle. Again, we'll discuss what exactly is behind this particular minag. But in all places, we go ahead and we do light candles in shuls, in bate medrash, in dark alleys, and for the benefit of the sick. What exactly is driving this particular minog regarding whether or not you light candles in your home on Yom Kippur? Says the Gemara Tana, Both the minhag to kindle and the minhag not to kindle are both driven by the same motivation. I'm about to take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says, "Bein shomer the hadlik, osan shnagul the hadlik, vanogin shol the hadlik, lo niskavnu el ladavar ach echad laharfish atzmo mimishka veisha." So we'll say, remember again, one of the prohibitions on Yom Kippur is intimacy, marital relations. So the question, so both both of these particular opinions, the one who say to light the candles, not to light the candles, are all driven by the same motivation. How could we ensure that couple, a husband and wife, won't engage in marital intimacy? So the Gemara says, So we've touched on this theme before. The opinion that says to light the candle indicates because, again, it is not considered to be modest to engage in Bia in a room that is lit. 
in an illuminated room. So if a candle is lit, see, Sifra Bo said they're referring to over here, really in the bedroom. So if, if you go ahead and you keep the bedroom lit, if you keep the bedroom illuminated, so people won't engage in intimacy. The other opinion who says, don't light a candle indicates if there is light in the bedroom, a man will better see his wife, become aroused by her, and therefore could lead to intimacy. So this minox is interesting. So the goal is the same. The goal is to ensure that a couple doesn't engage in marital intimacy on the night of Yom Kippur. The shayla is, which better allows for the fulfillment or enabling of, of that particular halacha? Is it to keep the room illuminated or to keep the room dark? That's, that's the machlokas. Amr Rav Yoshua, Darash Rava, the Amech Kulam Tzadikim, the Olam Yershu Aretz. Rav Yoshua, Darash in the name of Rava, quoting the Pasuk, your nation are all Tzadikim, they will forever inherit the land. Bein Shomer Lahadlik, Bein Shomer Shalom Lahadlik, Shnei Lohanes Kabu Elo Dover Echaz. We'll say so again, the Gemara just quotes this theme, Amech Kulam Tzadikim, everyone's righteous. In other words, the Machlokis over here in the Halacha, ultimately is all for the same idea. Everyone's motivated by the same desire to maintain fidelity to the halacha. They just disagree as to the best way to go about it. I'm Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Shmuel. Ein mevarachin al ha'ar, ele b'matzei Shabbos, hodl t'chilas b'riyasu. So Rabbi says the name of Shmuel. We only make a bracha on a fire. Ba'orei ma'orei ha'eish, on matzei Shabbos. As opposed to any other matzei or any other time. Why? Why only matzei Shabbos? Ultimately, because fire was created on Matzah Shabbos. Again, we're going to discuss this in, in more homiletic detail as well. But because fire was created on Matzah Shabbos, therefore, Allah Chalamaisa makes the bracha of Borei Ma'orei Ha'ish, which literally means Hashem creates the, the embers of the fire, the light of the fire, only on Matzah Shabbos. Amaliyahu Saba, Vitimu there was a particular old man, some say it was Rabbi Rachana, Yashar. So ultimately, again, after Rabbi Huda said in the name of Shmuel, so Rabbi Rachana gave him a shkoyach. A shkoyach. So the Gemara Sevechina, or Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan also said, this is indeed a correct ruling. Ula, so I'll say, so again, this is beginning a conversation regarding, regarding number one, when do we make the bracha borei maorei ha'ish? So you have an opinion here that it's only Matzi Shabbos because fire was created on Matzi Shabbos. That's number one. And again, well, there, let's, let's continue with this. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara goes right there. The Gemara says, um, okay. Ula havarach of chamra. Ula was riding on a donkey. So it's an interesting story. Va'azil. And he was traveling. Va'havashakil. Va'azil. Rabbi Abba Meyaminei. V'rabba Barbarachana Mismale. And Rabbi Abba was on Ula's right. And Rabbi Barbarachana was on Ula's left. So Ula Tamut Chacham doesn't travel alone. So he's traveling again on his right, Rabbi Abba. His left, Rabbi Barbarachana. Amali Rabbi Abba, li Ula. So Rabbi Abba said to Ula, Vadai da'amrisa mishmed Rabbi Yochanan. Is it true that you said over the name of Rabbi Yochanan, Ein mevarchen al ha'ar, so that you sit over the name of Rabbi Yochanan, that you only make a borei ma'orei ha'ish on Matzah Shabbos, because fire itself was created on Matzah Shabbos. Hadar Ula Chaza Bishos. So Ula looked at Rabbi Barachana and he was upset. Now what's going on over here? If we take a look at Rashi, Rashi says... Um, it's uh, about five, six lines up from the bottom. Hadra ula chazebe barabah 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 bishos 
Nistakil bo bepanim zoafos. Ulo was upset. Kilomer atta amarte bishim rabi yochanan, vahulo amarkein, ela af bematsiomi kipurim avarchen alov, hoil vidavar chadashu, shenesar kalyon vachshav nenemanu. So Ula was upset Rabbi Rachana because Ula thought Rabbi Rachana said over his. Ula's ruling of, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, in the wrong way. That apparently Rabbi Yochanan was quoted as saying, you only make a Borei Marea Eish on Matzah Shabbos, but that's not true. You also make Borei Maorei Ha'ish on Matzah Yom Kippur. Now granted, it's for two different reasons. The Gemara is attributing over here the Borei Maorei Ha'ish over here by Matzah Shabbos because fire was created on Matzah Shabbos. But on Yom Kippur, ultimately, again, Borei Maorei Ha'ish is recited to show ultimately again that fire was prohibited the entire day of Yom Kippur. That even though normally Malacha, specifically of Ochel Nefesh, is permitted on Yom Tiv, Yom Kippur is the exception to this rule. So we make a bracha boreima utilizing fire on Matzah Yom Kippur to show that although it was prohibited the entire day, it's permitted now. Amrle, Ana Lava Amri. He said, I wasn't reciting, I literally translated, I wasn't talking about this, I was talking about that. The tiny tiny Khamid Rabbi Yochanan, because there was someone who talked before Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Shimon Allah Omer, Yom Kippurim Shechalios B'Shabbos, after Makom Shomru Shalola Hadlik, Madlikin Mipnei Kavara Shabbos. So I've also listened to this, he said, I was quoting this particular ruling of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said that even in a place where they have the minhag, not to light candles on Yom Kippur, as we just saw in the Mishnah, when Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos, we do light candles out of covered Shabbos. Va'ani Rabbi Yochanan basrei v'chachamim osrim. And Rabbi Yochanan answered afterwards and he said, v'chacham however asr this. Amalei Ada te'i kari Allah. Ada said it should, should be said about you. Kari Allah Rabbi Yosef, sorry. Ma'im amukim eitza balev ish. Literally, again, deep waters are the counsel in the heart of man. Tap of Nundalad, Ve'ish Tavuna Yidlena. And a man of understanding will draw them out. What does it mean? Deep waters, deep waters of counsel in the heart of man. Ze'ula. This refers to Ula, who possessed incredible wisdom. Ve'ish Tavuna Yidlena. But it takes sometimes a man of understanding to draw out the waters. Ze'raba Barbarchana. This refers to Barbarchana. Ultimately, again, through his conversation, he was able to draw out the true shita of Ula. So, I just want to point out something very interesting. First of all, there's a very, a very profound Pasik that here, that here, the Pasik, this is in Mishlei, is really highlighting an incredible Yusod. That sometimes there are people who possess great wisdom, but they might not even be aware of the wisdom they possess. And sometimes it's about finding a way to draw out of that wisdom. Certainly, again, in the realm of chinuch, in the realm of dealing with our children. So children often have many incredible gifts and many incredible talents that they may not even be aware of. And so it takes an effective parent and it takes an effective mechanech to be able to kind of draw that out. That's the maimamukim eitzah b'levish. Sometimes it's very deep waters in many people, but sometimes it just takes the ishtavuna, it takes the person of understanding to help draw them out. But I will say, but the point over here is you see as follows, we begin to see a little bit of a dramatic evolution of the Shita Rabbi Yochanan. Ve'ilu kiman savrua, who does he hold like? Ki hadu am Rabbi Yom bar Yefes, am Rabbi Yochanan. Mevarachin al ha'ar bein b'matzeh Shabbos, bein b'matzeh Yom Kippurim. So he holds like this particular opinion, that is, we make a bracha borei ma'orei ha'ish, both on Yom Kippur as well as, I should say, both on Matzah Shabbos as well as Yom Kippur. Now, both say, to be very clear, to be very clear, 
This is for two different reasons. As the, according to the Gemara right now, based on what the Gemara said, is we make a bracha of Borei Maorei Ha'ish on Matzah Shabbos because fire was created on Shabbos. Again, we'll dispute that and we'll argue that, but that's what the Gemara is holding right now. On Matzah Yom Kippur, on Matzah Yom Kippur, we go ahead and we make a Borei Maorei Ha'ish. Why? Because at the end of the day, remember, Yom Kippur is Yom Tiv. It's Yom Tiv. It's called Shabbos, Shabbason, but remember again, it really fits into the Yom Tif category. So because of that, I would have thought that Malacha, at least in some form, is permitted, but it's not. Instead, Yom Kippur is in fact treated like Shabbos. We show that distinction by kindling a fire on Matzah Yom Kippur, ultimately again to show this fire was usher the entire day, even though this is not Shabbos, even though it's not Shabbos, but now it's permitted. So both say, so that's, so I just want to point out, right now the Gemara is saying, yes, we make a Borimar Ish, both Mati Shabbos and Yom Kippur, but two different reasons. Meisvei, so both say that we're going to further develop this, says the Gemara, Eim mevarchen al ha'ar, this is actually fascinating. So the Bryce says, according to this Bryce, we only make the bracha barim barim ma'oreha ish on Matzah Shabbos. On Matzah Shabbos. Not, why? Because fire was created on Matzah Shabbos. But the Bryce says, not only that, the first fire you see on Matzah Shabbos, you make a bracha on that fire. Both say, understand what this means. You're walking home from shul. According to, according to the Gemara, you're walking home from shul. And you see someone has a bonfire lit in their, uh, in their front yard. You don't wait to get home to make borei ma'orei You make a borei ma'orei on the first fire you see. So the Gemara says, so Rabbi Huda, Om Rabbi Huda says, sojourn, sojourn Rabbi Huda says, no, no, no. We organize the brachas of Havdalah on the cup of wine. So again, you make everything as part of what we'll call formal Havdalah. Borei ma'orei ha'esh, borei minei b'samim, so on and so forth. So I will say, so again, obviously again, we see a contradiction here. So I will say, so again, this Gemara, this Brisa indicates that fire is, excuse me, that fire is only used on Masih Shabbos, not on Masih Yom Kippur. So what's going on? Lokashya kan ba'ar shashavas, kan ba'ar hayotzi mina itzim u mina avana. I will say, a dramatic halacha. On Masih Shabbos and Masih Yom Kippur, there are two different fires that are used. Look at Rashi, second line from the top. Listen to this. The Gemara says there's a fundamental distinction. It is true. We make a bracha bore ma'ore ha'ish. Both on Masih Shabbos and Masih Yom Kippur. Rabbi said there are two different fires. On Matzah Yom Kippur, you have to use what's called a ner sheshavas, which means you make havdalah, or you make bari ma'ara'esh on a fire that was lit throughout the entirety of Yom Kippur. I will say that's why on Yom Kippur, we light a yardside candle. We light a yardside candle in our homes, even for those Baruch Hashem, who do not go ahead and have to observe a yardside. We light a yardside candle. Why? Because on Matzah Yom Kippur, you have to light your Havdalah candle from a fire that has been burning the entire Yom Kippur. That is called a Ner Sheshavas, a fire that rested. And the reason we do that on Matzah Yom Kippur is because to show, here, this fire was in my home the entire day, and I didn't use it. And I didn't use it because halacha lemaisa, 
fire was prohibited on Yom Kippur. Versus on Matzah Shabbos, how do you create your fire? How do you create your fire? You strike a match. You could create fire from the, you don't need a fire that was in existence. Because again, I both said two different reasons for the fire. Shabbos, Matzah Shabbos, I'm using fire because fire was created. I could create the fire right then and there and Gamayana, we're good. On Matzah Yom Kippur, the fire is there to highlight the very important halachic point. That fire was prohibited over the course of Yom Kippur. So I have to use what's called a Ner Shashavas. So just interestingly enough, and by the way, this is all halacha lamaisa. A Ner Shashavas, the Mishnah Bura points out, what happens if you didn't light, what happens if you didn't light the yardside candle in your home? I, I didn't do it. So now what do I do on Masa Yom Kippur? So Mishnah Bura says what you do is, you light the fire, and then you kin, you, let's say you light the candle, and then you kindle your Havdalah candle from that, from that fire. So meaning, you don't go ahead and kindle the Havdalah candle with the, with the match itself, but rather you kindle it from an already pre-existing flame. Again, that's not the ideal. The ideal is near Shashavas. Tani Chada. So we have one brisa that says that if you create fire on, if you create fire, which means literally fire you just created, you can make a bracha baran bore mare eshe. Tani Chada. In but he had another mission said, you can't go ahead and make a bracha on it. So we'll say, so which one is it? Lo kasha, again, both say, again, this is halacha lamaisa. Matzah Shabbos, you make habdalah on fire, you create right then and there. Matzah Yom Kippur, you must use Ner Shabbos, a fire that was in existence throughout the entire day. Again, why? As we just mentioned a number of times, because fire is used in two different symbolic capacities, on Matzah Shabbos and Matzah Yom Kippur. Rebbe Mefazran, so I will say literally translated, Rebbe would scatter them. But say what that means is that on Matzah Shabbos, when Rebbe would make Havdalah, he wouldn't organize everything together. So when he was walking home from shul, if he saw a fire, he'd make borei ma'orei ha'ish. As soon as he got besamim, he would go out and make and make uh, make borei minei besamim. And then at some point in time, he'd make over now someone. Then he, afterwards, he would make havdalah. He'd make the bracha of hamavdil alakos on a cup of wine. Conversely, Rabbi Chia mechanson mechanson. Rabbi Chia would gather them. He would make all of the brachas of havdalah. Borei ma'orei ha'ish, borei minei b'samim, ha'mavdil, ha'gofen, all together. Am Rabbi Yitzchak Baravdimi, Afapish Rabbi Mefazron, Chozer v'sodron alakos, k'dei lahotzi banavu b'nei b'eso. So we'll say, this is actually quite fascinating. Rabbi Yitzchak Baravdimi said, even though Rabbi would scatter the brachas, in other words, he would recite them as they would come up, as soon as he saw fire, borei ma'orei ha'ish, b'sam, borei minei b'samim, when he got home, he would repeat them all together, in order to discharge the obligation of his family members, which actually is a, is a fascinating the halachic discussion, which unfortunately we don't have time to go into today, but Amir Sashem we will come back to. So the Gemara goes weiter. So we'll say, so now we're going to do some beautiful and incredible and overwhelmingly amazing agarta. So we'll say, so now remember, we just spoke about this idea that fire was created on Matzah Shabbos. So the Gemara is going to jump on this. Is that true? That fire was created on Matzah Shabbos? Vatanya, we learned, Asara Dvarim Nivru Be'erev Shabbos. The Gemara says that what? There are 10 things. There are 10 things that were created on the Erev Shabbos, Ben Ashmashos. Rabbi say what this means is 10 things that were Mamish created in the twilight moments of Erev Shabbos. So 10 things that were created literally as Friday was ending, Erev Shabbos was ending, and Shabbos was beginning. And what are they? Rabbi said, listen to this list. Eluhain, Be'er, the Be'er. Now, the, the assumption over here is that the reference is to the Be'er, the well of Miriam. 
Again, I will say this. Uh, Rashi says over here, Miriam, this is incredible. All of us are aware <coughs> that in the desert, Cloud Israel had a well. They had a well, a well in the in the merit of Miriam. So we'll say Rashi says over here, just understand what that well looked like. The well was a round stone. It was a round stone. And it essentially followed Klal Yisrael wherever they went. Right? So it rolled, it rolled, rolled with them. Right? It rolled along with them. This was the Be'er of Miriam. And water would come from the stone. I will say the notion of water coming from stones in the desert is quite fascinating. It also gives a little bit of insight into Moshe Rabbeinu's mistake that he made. Again, not, not for now. But okay, so the Be'er of Miriam was created. Vahaman. The man that, Jew, that the Jews ate in the desert. Keshas. Ultimately, the rainbow, Ksav, the name, Rashi's, now, Rashi's over here, Ksav is Kriyas Shema Osios, the names of the letters, Mikhtav, Bose means a stylus, right, something you use to engrave letters, now Rashi understands over here that this Mikhtav ultimately, again, was the stylus of the Ribono Shal Olam that he used for the Luchos, now whatever, whatever, whatever that means, so the Gemara says, Vahaluchos, the Luchos themselves, the Kivro Shal Moshe, the grave of Moshe Rabbeinu, Umaara Sha'amad Ba Moshe Elio, and the cave in which Moshe and Elio stood when they saw some part, some, some, some piece of the Ribono Shal Olam. Psichas Pia Asan, the opening of the mouth of the donkey by Bilam, Psichas Pia Aris Levloas Arasham, the opening of the earth to swallow up the Rasham, reference to the Korach story. Rabbi Nechemia Omer Mishum Aviv, Rabbi Nechemia said in the name of his father, Af Ha'ar, fire was also created, Vahapered, and the mule was also created. Rabbi Yosher Mishum Aviv, Af Ha'ayol, even the ram of Avram Avinu that he sacrificed instead of Yitzchak, the Hashamir. The Shamir, I will say, was that very unique uh, worm-like creature The Shlomalach used to cut the stones of the Beis HaMikdash. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Afa Tseves. Rabbi Yehuda said, even Tseves, we'll say, Tseves are tongues. The first pair of tongs was created, excuse me, Ben Hashemashos Erev Shabbos. Who are your Omer? Siv Sabbat, Siv Sabbat, because it was said generally, the way you make a pair of tongs is how? With a pair of tongs. Because remember, again, it's hot metal. So you have to handle it with something. So you make a pair of tongs with a pair of tongs. So the Gemara says, So who made the first pair of tongs? So the Gemara says, It must have been created by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Amrullah said, not necessarily. Ultimately, again, they could have made it in a mold. In other words, you could create a mold, pour hot metal into a mold, and make the tongues like that. Ultimately, again, therefore, the first pair of tongues was not created by Akadosh Baruch, it was created by man. Okay, we'll say, what are we focusing on over here? We're focusing on fire. You just told me fire was created in Matzah Shabbos. Here, the Bryce pretty clearly indicates that when was fire created? Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos, Ben said, I just want to point out, we don't have time to go through it now, but first of all, please, like, like fold down this page of Gemara, because there is treasure. There's treasure here. But say, I just want to point out something fascinating. Anything created, Erev Shabbos, Ben means, these are the last items that HaKadosh Baruch Hu squeezed in to the creation process right before the close of creation. Now, it is very important to understand what has occurred before HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates these last-minute things, the chait of Adam and Chava. So all of these things created, Ben Hashemoshes of Erev Shabbos, 
were all things created in the aftermath of the sin of Adam and Chava, which is incredibly important because what it tells you is that there is something, there is some connection between each of these items and the Chait. They were not part of creation before the Chait of Adam and Chava. They only come into this world now, maybe they might have been part of creation regardless at a later time that is possible, but Lamaisa, they're squeezed in right before the window of creation closes. They're squeezed in right before Shabbos. So there is a direct correlation between each of these items and something to do with Adam and Chaba. <coughs> to which the Gemara says, So again, I'll say which one is it? Was, was fire created Matzi Shabbos? Was fire created Erev Shabbos? The Gemara says, Lokashia, Haba or Didan, Haba or Gehenim. Wow. The Gemara says two different fires. Two different fires. One is our fire, fire that we use in this world. One is the fire of Gehenim. Or Didon, B'Matzi Shabbos. Our fire was created on Matzi Shabbos. Or the Gehenim Be'Erev Shabbos. The fire of Gehenim was created on Erev Shabbos. Which I both say now makes sense. Because remember, if you understand that all of these items created have a correlation to the Chait of Adam and Chava. So apparently, again, whatever the plan was, maybe... Maybe there wasn't going to be a Gehenim, I don't know. But after the Chait of Adam and Chava, Gehenim is created right before Shabbos. The says, really? Var the Gehenim Erev Shabbos? Is that true that the fire of Gehenim was created on Erev Shabbos? Vatanya, we learned, Shiva Dvarim Nivru Kodem Shnivra Olam. There are seven things which were created before the world was. Well, see, you know, this is so not a Dafiomi Gemara. You know, this is like, uh, this is like, let's spend a month on a Gemara like this. It's just incredible. Shiva Dvar Nivru Kodim Shnivra Olam. There are seven things which were created before the world was created. Eluhinam. These are the seven things. We both say seven things which preceded the actual creation of the world in its entirety. The Eluhain. These are the seven things. Torah, Shuva, repentance. Gan Eden, Gehenim, Kisya Akavit, the throne of Akadish Baruchu, Beis Hamikdash, Beis Hamikdash, Ushmo Shal Mashiach, and the name of Mashiach. So both say, the, obviously, each of these, so all these items created before, even before there's a world, before there's a world, all of these items are created. Now, both say, remember again, we're hyper focused right now on Gehenim. We're all about Gehenim. Right? So, both say, so remember again, here you see Gehenim being created before the world was created. But you just told me that the fire of Gehenim was created on Erev Shabbos. So, what's going on? So, both say, the Gemara just goes through each of these things. Torah, how did the Torah was created before the world? Hashem Kanani Reishes Darko. Tshuva, Dechsev Beterem Harim Yuladu, Uksev Tashev Enesh Adaka, Vatomer Shuvu Bnei Adam. So I'll say again, all of these psukim just highlighting the fact that these items were created even before the world. Gan Eden Dechsev, Vaita Hashem Elokim, Gan Be'eden Mikedem. The Gemara is darshing that Mikedem could also be vocalized as Mikodem. Earlier on, Gehenem Dechsev, Ki Aruch Me'esmo Tefasa, so again, I'm just going through the Pasukim quickly, but again, we'll get to the punchline. So we'll say, so which one is it? When was Gehenim created? Was Gehenim created on Erev Shabbos Ben Ashmashas? Or was Gehenim created before the world was created? Which says it's not a contradiction. Amri, Chalaluhu Denivra Kodim Shinivra Olam, Va'ar Didei, Erev Shabbos. Well, see, this is actually very interesting. Mara says the cavity for Gehenim was created ultimately again before the world was created. So the cavity itself, the, the area of Gehenim was created before the world. 
ultimately, again, the fire of Gehenna was created Erev Shabbos, Ben Ashmasha. So we'll say, so really quite a fascinating distinction. So the Gemara goes, But again, is that true? That the fire of Gehenna was created on Erev Shabbos? V'atanya, we learned Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Or Shebar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, B'Sheni B'Shabbos, Ein Lo Kaviyah the Olam. The light, the light, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created on the second day is never extinguished. Shneemar, Vayetzu, Uru'u, B'Pigriya Adashin HaPoshim, B, Ki To'alasam Lo Samos, V'asham Lo Sichbeh. Why doesn't the Torah record Kitov? The word Kitov, and it was good. After HaKadosh Baruch Hu's creative process on the second day of creation, the Gemara says, Mipnei shenivra bo or shel Gehenna. I will say this is incredible. That when HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates light, the luminaries, right? The light on day number two, ultimately again, there was, there was, the fire of Gehenna was created on day number two as well. That's why the Gemara says that the Torah does not say Kitov on the second day of creation. Even though it doesn't say Kitov on the second day, ultimately again, all of creation is included in Kitov on the sixth day. Hashem saw all that he did and it was very good. I will say, by the way, just to kind of align with this, the Medrash says, what does it mean? Vayar is kala sharasa. God saw everything that he made and it was good. Everything that he made, the Medrash says, ze yom hamisa. This refers to death. Hashem saw that death was good. And again, obviously the Mepharshim discussed this. What do you mean death is good? I will say, death is good. And Gehenna is good. Why? I know it sounds strange. Why? Because I will say, death is good because I know one day I have to give an accounting for my life. And the knowledge that I have to give an accounting for my life hopefully keeps me on the right path. Gehenna is good because the knowledge that there is a Gehenna forces me to make the difficult choices in life because I know I want to wind up in Gan Eden, not in Gehenna. So these things, these things like death and like Gehenna, as overwhelming and as scary as they may be, these are the very things that help us to remain on the straight and narrow path in life. It's incredible you sowed. So the Gemara says, Ella, so we'll say, so which, so now we have the fire of Gehenna being made on the second day. So what's going on over here? Ella, chalala kodim shenivra olam, day b'sheni b'shabis. So we'll say, listen to this. Rather, here's what happened. The cavity of Gehenna was created before the world, like we saw before. The fire of Gehenna was created on the second day of creation. And our fire, Kedush Baruch Hu had in mind, had Kavano, he had decided to create it already on Erev Shabbos, but didn't actually create it until Masih Shabbos. So we'll say, so this is now the entire fire reconciliation, right? So the cavity of Gehenna before the world was created, the fire of Gehenna on second day of creation. When we saw before the Bryce, said the fire was created on Erev Shabbos. That's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided to create fire. But actual fire itself is created on Mazda Shabbos. I will say, by the way, what does it mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides to create something and then create something? We'll say, the modeling for us the right kind of behavior in life. If you want to create great things in this world, it requires forethought. It requires planning. It requires machshava. You see, the Ribbon Shalom is the only being in this world who has the ability to create instantaneous results. But yet, even HaKadosh Baruch Hu plans. Even HaKadosh Baruch Hu thinks. 
even HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kiviyachol creates a vision, and then from that creates something dramatic. An incredible Gemara. The Sanya. Rabbi Yossi Omer Shnei Dvarim Elu Alum Machshav Libaras Barav Shabbos. There are two things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu decided he was going to create, but he didn't actually create them until Matzah. He decided he was going to create them on Erev Shabbos, but he didn't actually create them until Matzah Shabbos. And on Matzah Shabbos, what happened? On Matzah Shabbos, Hashem gave Adam wisdom, divine wisdom, and Adam created results. What did he do? Adam brought together two stones. He rubbed the two stones together. And what happened? And he went ahead and he created fire. So, we'll say, so interestingly enough, the Gemara says, where did Adam know to do this from? The Rebbe Shalom gave him the wisdom. Adam took two stones, created a spark, and thereby created the first fire on Matzah Shabbos. He also mated two animals together, and ultimately, again, from amongst them, created a mule. So, we'll say, those are the two creative things that Adam did on Matzah Shabbos. That's not true. Ultimately, again, the mule, the mule was not created by Adam. The mule was created ultimately in the days of Olam. Ana himself, we're going to see, was a mamzer. N- not like in a colloquial way, but like in a literal way. Right? So we'll say, so Ana was a mamzer. So because he was a mamzer, right? Because he was blemished. He brought in a blemished species. Right? We'll say a mule is considered to be a blemished species. He brought in a blemished species into the world. Ana. Was the result of an incestuous union between his mother and his brother. I Vidilma Tre Anahava. Maybe there are two different guys named Anna. Amurava Amina Milsa the Shavramakolo Amra. Rava said, I'll tell you something that even King Shapur never said. Who's King Shapur? Which was a, which was like a like a title of prominence. Manu Shmuel. Others say he was referring to Rava. Okay. I'll say something that neither Shmuel nor Rava ever said. Amrakra, who Anna? Who Anna de Meikara? The Pasik says, this is Anna, the same Anna from the beginning. So, we'll say, so, so the Gemara says, Adam didn't create the mule, Anna created the mule. What drove Anna to create the mule? Anna himself was the product of an incestuous union, of an inappropriate union. So he created, he created a species that was the mating of two different types of animals as well. Tan Rabbanon. So, we'll say, so where the Gemara is holding right now, just so we, just so we have everything clear. The Gemara is holding right now, Cavity of Gehenna was created before the world. Fire of Gehenna, day number two. Kaddish Baruch Hu had the machshava, the thought, they decided to create fire, Erev Shabbos, but didn't actually give Adam the wisdom to create fire until Matzah Shabbos. Matzah Shabbos comes. You think there's nothing to do in Baltimore on Matzah Shabbos? There was nothing to do in Gan Eden Matzah Shabbos either. So what happens? Adam goes in and takes two stones and he creates fire Matzah Shabbos. So I'll say that is where the Gemara is holding right now. We'll say now we go back a little bit. There are 10 things that were created Erev Shabbos in the final moments of Friday, final moments of Erev Shabbos. And these are them. So we'll say most of this list is the same. Be'er, the well of Miriam, Mon, Keshes, the rainbow, Ksav, the names of the letters, Michtov, the stylus, the luchos, the tablets for the Asar Sadibros, Kivro Shamosha, the grave of Moshe Rabbeinu, Ma'ara Sha'amad Ba Moshe Ve'ilio, 
the cave that Moshe and Eliyahu both stood in when they saw the image of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Psichas Pia Asen, Bilam's donkey, or the opening of Bilam's donkey's mouth, Psichas Pia Aretz, the ability for the earth to open up and swallow up. People of Law, Sarah Shamish Omrim, you will say, here's where the list grows. Af Maklo Shal Aaron, incredible. Even the staff of Aaron, Shkedel Pracheho, with its almonds and blossoms. Say, remember again, this is a reference also to the, to the, to the well, this is, a, this is a reference to the Korach story. The Korach story, right, where again, there's a rebellion against the authority of Moshe and Aaron. And the way in which Aaron's leadership is solidified is that his staff was the only one that blossomed. That staff together with its almonds, together with its blossoms, was created already Ben Hashemoshes. But say, all, all of these things also symbolizing there are certain things that are part of the fabric of the world from the beginning. Some say also Shadim were created. Some say it was also the clothing of Adam Arishan. I both say, Rashi records an interesting machlokis over here. Rashi says, what's big dosha Adam Arishon? So Rashi says, quotes two opinions. He says that the clothing of Adam Arishon had an image of every single animal engraved on it. And that garment gave a person dominion over the animal kingdom. But then Rashi says, no, 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 it's simpler. It refers to the clothing in which Adam and Chava clothed themselves after eating from the eight das tovara and realizing that they were naked. So again, just two different opinions in Rashi. This is such, I, I, I wish, I wish you had like another 40 minutes. But say, this is such an overwhelmingly profound Gemara. There are seven things which are mechusim. Mechusim literally means covered or obscured. There are seven things that are sometimes out of the realm of comprehension of a person. Elohim, these are the seven things. Yom HaMisa, on a basic level, I don't know when I'm going to die. Right? The person doesn't know when they're going to die. The Yom HaNachama. We'll say, listen to how profound this is. A person also doesn't know when they are going to achieve consolation. Now Rashi says over here, Yom HaNachama, Shekal Adam Masa Yisnachi Mida'agoso. We'll say an incredible Yisod that a person does not know when the day of consolation will come. It could be consolation for loss, but it's also consolation for your worries. Right? We all walk through worries, we, we life through worries. Most it doesn't a person, some, don't we sometimes say to ourselves like, when will I reach that point where, where, where my worries will be taken care of, right? When, when will I ever reach that point where I'll have some level of inner tranquility? Allow me to go on with this for just a moment. Right? When, right? when, 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 when will I ever reach a level where, where just there's a feeling of nachas ruach in life? So a person doesn't know. A person doesn't know when they'll achieve that. Va'omek adin. Person doesn't know the depth of judgment. So we'll say, so again, Rashi points out over here that either refers to the fact that most judges don't appreciate the full profundity of the authority they are vested with. Others say that what Rashi means over here is the Omeka in the depth of judgment after 120. When we go before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we don't always appreciate the full depth of judgment by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I don't know what's in my friend's heart. Right? We'll say, this, is, this is incredible. We never, we never really know what someone else is thinking. Or a person never knows 
ultimately again how he's going to earn his parnasa. Right? What's going to work, what's not going to work in life? Umalchus based David Masai Tachzar, when is Mashiach gonna come? Umalchus Chayeves Masai Tichla. And when will the terrible evil monarchy, Rome, when will Rome finally come to an end? They will say, such an incredibly profound Gemara, that there are certain things in this world that you just don't know. When you're going to have a level of inner tranquility, when you're going to die, but what happens to me after I leave this world? What are my friends and my family and my loved ones really thinking? What deals will work out? Where is my parnasa really going to come from? When is Mashiach going to come? And when are the Rishayim really going to get what is coming to them? Incredible. There are three things, Rabbi, say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did. He decided to create. And even had he not created it, logic would have required that he would have created it. We'll say, what is this? This is wild. So the Gemara says, number one, that a dead body decomposes. And Rashi points out to the because if a dead body wouldn't decompose, what would people do? They would keep their loved ones with them. Right? So you, you would keep your loved ones with you, but I don't know, maybe, I don't know what you do. I, well, I don't know exactly how that works. But, but, maybe in the attic or somewhere else. Right? So you go ahead. Why do you have to say goodbye to my loved ones? It's true they're not alive, but if I could see them, I could embrace them. So, but again, the only way for a person to, this is incredibly profound, you sowed. Because what it's saying is the only way for a person to move on after, a person has to find an ability to move on after loss. We are not allowed to become rooted in our losses. We mourn our losses and some losses you mourn for the rest of your life, but there has to be a way, ultimately, again, to plot the path forward. So the dead decompose. And over time, the dead are forgotten. Now, both say, now what does this mean? Anyone who's ever experienced loss knows you never forget. You never forget someone who you love who has died. What it means is, they're both saying that after when a person encounters loss, so loss often occupies an incredible amount of emotional and intellectual real estate in the consciousness. Over time, what ends up happening is a person is able to take that loss and push it a little bit back. Push a little bit back, not into the recess, not necessarily all the way into the recesses of the subconscious, but it doesn't have to be the primary thing that's on my mind all of the time. That's what it means that the mace, Kashmir, who programmed us with that ability to push loss back. It takes time, definitely takes time, but I'm, allowed, I'm able to quote unquote forget, but not literally forget, but rather push into the recesses of the subconscious. Listen to this, who also, also created that. That wheat rots. They both say, now what's the my love? Wheat rotting. Since it rots, you have to sell it. Since you have to sell it, you have to keep prices in a legitimate place. If you could hoard produce, you could drive up demand. You could drive up demand and you could drive price. You could drive prices through the roof. The fact that you could only hold on to wheat for so long creates ultimately, again, a normal market price for the purchase of wheat. Now, let's listen to this last one. This is great. So the Ben Yehoyada says, one of the things that Kaj Baruch Hu did is he caused people to accept paper currency. Let's <laughs> say, now listen to what this means. Right? Think about this for just a moment. You go to a store, right? And what do you do? You're buying something. So you take out, you take out a $50 bill, right? And mom, she buys something, but it's a piece of paper. Okay, I know there's a cheshman, it's backed by this, it's backed by this. 
It's a piece of paper. Don't you think that the best way to do commerce ultimately, again, is carry around your gold bars, right? Carry around your gold bars and go ahead and pay with this and pay with that. No, the Baruch Hu made it that we accept paper currency, which is such, such, because also think about it. If you didn't do it, it would disrupt, it would disrupt the entire flow of commerce. Incredible. So let's, do an, let's, let's do a little bit more. We're, we're right on target. Says the Mishnah. We'll say, so again, if there's a place, back to Minna Gamaka. We're not finished with the Agarata. There's still incredible Agarata to come. If you live in a place where the custom is to do Malacha on Tishabav, Osin, you do Malacha. But if you live in a place where they don't do malacha on Tishabav, you shouldn't do malacha. I will say again, do not do work on Tishabav. They don't do work on Tishabav. says a person should conduct himself like a Talmud Chacham. So Shingalil seems to be of the opinion. That really, person should not do malach on Tishabav, and ultimately again should be like a tamut chacham. Now, we'll say, now the novelty in saying that is generally we would say that if a person is not a tamut chacham but he conducts himself like a tamut chacham, mechzik yihura that looks arrogant. Rabbi says no. In this context, it doesn't look arrogant because at the end of the day, we'll see a person is doing it in order to maintain the proper solemnity of the day. So it says the Gemara Amr Shmuel in Tainis Sibar Bavel El Bilbad. So Shmuel said there is no such thing as a public fast day in Bavel. And I also remember again the public fast days that they are referring to were public fast days instituted for lack of rain. Bavel never had a rain problem. A rain problem really was only in Eretz Yisrael. So as such, again, a tiny Sibur, a public fast day for lack of rains, they didn't have in Bavel. They only had in Eretz Yisrael. So ain't tiny Sibur Bavel. Bilba. The only public fast day, communal fast day, that they had in Bavel, ultimately, again, was on Tishabav. This must mean that what? That Shmuel holds that Tishabav ben say one word and then we'll have to stop for today. In a tiny seabird, fast day that they declared because of rain, that fast day, we'll see, although it depends which fast day it was, would begin the night before. And not only would it begin the night before, but it would already occur, so for example, I will say, if you were declaring a, a tiny seabird for rain on Thursday, the fast would begin when? Already again, Wednesday night, but even before nightfall, even before Tesakochavim. It would begin Benashmashus during the twilight period of Wednesday, because remember, Benashmashus is Suffolk Yom, Suffolk Laila. That's when it would begin. So we'll say, we'll stop over here for today. We're going to start in Mirat Hashem tomorrow morning. A lot of beautiful Agarata. Tomorrow morning, Daf will be again at 5.45. We'll pick up with Tzidka Sazadik and Mirat Hashem on Monday. Shkoyach.